for giving us the chance to gather in your house to worship you, Lord, to hear from you, Lord. And Lord, to, to take something back to our home, to apply to our lives and impact your kingdom with God. God, be as we enter this time of worship, Lord, that we may focus on you completely. Uh, Lord, may we exit our trip to fan comes from Thanksgiving um, and just completely focus on glorifying you. Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm glad to see everybody made it back from Thanksgiving vacation. Y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like six people had a good Thanksgiving. I'm glad. I was glad. Uh, some of y'all probably still trying to get over the fact that I actually have a suit. But I do. I have three, actually. Uh, but anyways, we're glad to see everybody here this morning. If you're a visitor with us, thanks so much for worshiping with us on uh, the tail end of holiday weekend. I guess we're very glad that you're here. And please take a moment to stop by the back. Uh, we have a little gift we'd like to give to you just to thank you again for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, this coming Saturday, we have the annual, second annual, Jingle for Jesus 5K and edition this year, Color Run. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You can still sign up for that. Registration will start Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Um, and the fun run, there's a mile fun run for kids. It's 10 and under. Um, it's one mile long. And then we'll start at 8.30. And the 5K itself will start at 9. Uh, so please, if you can, turn in your registration form before then. That would be swell. Uh, but like I said, there will be a chance to, uh, to do that Saturday morning as well right out here. Uh, so please join us for that. Before we continue worship, we're going to watch a little video about the Lottie Christmas offering and where some of this money goes to uh, that we're raising for you. Our approach to calling is new wines, limitless, infinite, endless, never ending, everlasting. The burden to reach the 2.8 billion people with no access to the gospel in Asia, Africa, Europe, the Americas, the Middle East. The terrain, dangerous, uncomfortable, exhausting. Our legacy, 170 years of lawyers, doctors, teachers, watchmakers, baristas, martyrs, church planners, prayer warriors, Katie Willers. Our vision, to leave and leverage. Let the dead bury the dead. Leverage our skills to be a doctor, crossfitter, photographer, chef, storyteller, evangelist, teacher, engineer, entrepreneur, student, retired nurse, seminarian. The reward, Immeasurable, bottomless, unceasing. The souls of men and women and children experiencing the peace of God and reconciling power of Jesus Christ. The possibilities with us all together, without any constraint or boundaries, limitless. That's right. So when we all pool our resources, when we all pool our talents, um, the the and with a God, uh, most of all, who is. Um, Almighty and all-powerful, uh, the possibilities are limitless. So just challenging. Uh, this is the time of year where we give to our international missions. Um, pray that you, you and your family would prayerfully consider um, what God would have you give um, just to make it. I can't talk. Hope I can sing better than I can talk. Impact um, on the kingdom. So let's stand and let's worship um, the amazing God. I know we serve. Real quick, I do have one announcement that I didn't tell Ryan. Um, we need, uh, and, I, and I love my mother-in-law, and I want to um, say her good graces. So, to, uh, right after church, uh, they're going to be practicing tonight for the kids to play. They need some um, muscle to help move some of this stuff around. So, some men or some strong women uh, want to stay and uh, help uh, 
give this in order, that would be awesome. So right after the service, we're going to be done early today. Ryan has one page of notes, three points. We're good. So if you're still good at lunch, on time. So let's worship. realized 
uh, who God was out of all the people on the earth that had rebelled. Noah still worshipped God, still was faithful to God. When God said, build a boat on dry land, Don't, there's no such thing as rain, but I want you to do it. He did it. Um, and then he got all the animals together, and he did it. And then without a drop of rain even falling, um, his, him and his family uh, entered the boat. Um, and uh, I don't know that Matt Tucker would necessarily know him. I think I'd ask a few questions. Come, but Noah, realize God is God, and God is in control. God is in control of everything. And so when God speaks, uh, Noah, that's it. And then we go down and we just start to touch on Abraham. Abraham, you know, God said, go, Abraham went. Um, you know, God called and they acted. So that's our prayer that today we would realize um, the big God that we serve. Um, and when he calls us to do something, um, that we would uh, obediently, quickly uh, step out of faith. Because he is, um, as this song will be sung numerous times said, he is a great, great God. So let's worship him today. Yeah. 
cool. Sorry, this is not the introduction that I planned. Um, but that's alright. I'm just going to slide this in the pocket. Awesome. So, um, as a couple weeks ago, I guess Brother Matt said, hey, I'm going to need you to preach on the 26th or 27th of November. Uh, I'm going to be out of town. I was like, okay, maybe I need to talk about you know, Sunday night. Typical. He's kind of given me uh, my fair share of those uh, over the last year. Um, didn't really know what the plan was for Sunday morning. Didn't think anything about it. He was like, you know, I'm talking about Sunday morning, right? I was like, oh, awesome. Cool. Um, so I began to, to pray and think about, um, you know, what was I going to preach the first Sunday morning that I, that I was given the opportunity uh, to come and preach in front of our congregation. Um, some of y'all know, some of y'all don't know. I've been uh, doing graduate classes at True McConnell University for the last seven weeks or so. Uh, I've been taking a Christian ethics class, um, which has been really cool. But it's a lot of stuff already kind of new. Um, Eric can tell you that it's the class that I've had the most ease with. Um, I've made all A's in that class. That's not a slap on my back. It's just thank you, Professor uh, Young Yarbrough, for making that class, that class work for me. Uh, then I've taken a church planning evangelism discipleship class. And that class has been very challenging for me uh, for a couple of reasons. One being that it requires a lot of reading, um, which I'm more of a, if I know a movie's coming out about a book, I'll just read. They'll get the big points, and I'm good with it. Um, but on top of the reading, it's been a lot of writing, a lot of reflecting on uh, what I've read um, for each chapter. I've had to write roughly a three-page reflection, and I've read probably 16 or so chapters for different books in that class. Um, but what it's done is it's, it's forced me to stop and think, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to our church? How does this apply to the ministry uh, that we wish to do? Um, and so getting to that point uh, through prayer, uh, I settle on, on Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 14. That's where we're going to start today. Um, you can probably burn a little bit because I think I've hit Acts chapter 4 at least once on Wednesday night for the last six months. Um, but there's just so much need here. And it's so powerful uh, if we'll stop and listen to, to what's going on. So to set the stage here, um, we see in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John walk up to the temple gate called Beautiful. There's a lame man, there's a beggar uh, sitting there, and he's begging for money, basically. It's, this is peak prayer. Our people are coming in to make sacrifices and stuff like that. And so he knows that there are going to be a lot of people walking by. Uh, Peter and John, the disciples of, of Jesus, were, were going to evangelize at the temple. Um, they were going to tell people about Jesus. And they see this man sitting there. He's like screaming, hey, any money you got, your boy would appreciate it. Um, Peter stops and looks at him and says, I don't have silver or gold. I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked. And he rejoiced, Lord. Where we pick up in Acts chapter 4, uh, the Sanhedrin, the high council uh, of the Jewish people are interrogating Peter and John about what happened. They're, they're kind of bent out of shape about it. They're like, wait a minute, don't, don't come here preaching Jesus. These are the same people that put Jesus on the cross. Don't come here preaching Jesus. Um, we, start, we start in verse 8, where Peter's talking to them. It says, then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, 
let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. There are a few points that we're going to draw from this passage. There are a few uh, key must statements, if you will, um, things that we as the body must do um, if we're going to grow and show people Jesus and be the church that we're called to be. Um, I've had several conversations with several people in the church and we're so heavily burdened for growth, uh, for growth on multiple levels, growth um, seat numbers wise, people coming in the door. Okay, we're burdened for growth, uh, discipleship laws. We're burdened for people to grow and walk with the Lord, not just to um, walk the aisle and say a prayer and be saved and be baptized and stop. Like we want to see people grow, grow into leaders in the church, grow into people who are serving Christ. Well, for, for these things to happen, we must do these three things. First, we must be sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. We see the very first thing that we read in verse 8. And Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And said to them, if we are born again believers, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you. The Holy Spirit uh, has made its home in you. We see this in Scripture. We see in Acts 1-8 where, where uh, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What's done with that power? You'll be my witnesses. You'll go out. You'll reach the nations. That's where we. That's where we need to focus, church. I feel like uh, the church in America, capital C, big church overall, not just us. Um, I feel like the church overall gets so caught up in well, this church has this many numbers, and this church has this many numbers. Great. Our goal as the church, universal again, shouldn't be to compete with other churches for who's got the bigger numbers. It's to Go out and evangelize. If we want to see, if we want to see churches get filled, then it's not going to be by transfer membership. It's not going to be like, oh, well, they've got a better deal, so I'm a church free agent. I'm going to go over here and sign my three years with them and see how long this goes. No, it's by getting out into the community and sharing Jesus with people. We want to see the church universal grow. We must lead people to Jesus. We do that by being sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. We see how Philip. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he ran to the Ethiopian eunuch. As he was obedient and speaking with him and showing him uh, what the passage meant. Another place we see the Holy Spirit and, and the promise of it. Again, from the mouth of Jesus, John 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world isn't able to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. 
We must be sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit as Christ followers. If we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're stifling that, if we're holding that back, if we're not being obedient, then we're not being good stewards. We hear so often that we're stewardship turn, turn around and it comes to the end of the year, you know, talk about Lottie Moon, Christmas offering, talk about the end of the tax season. Everybody's like, oh, are you being a good steward? Um, but that's not what I'm saying. What we're saying here is we must be good stewards of the gift that God has given us in the Holy Spirit. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Well, if we're sitting on that power, is that power being used? No. We're wasting. We're wasting an opportunity. We must be good stewards of having the Holy Spirit because He dwells in us if we are in Christ. Being obedient to that Spirit, we must preach the gospel. We see right here in our passage from Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 10, where Peter responds to them, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you have helped him. This Jesus is the stone rejected by builders which has become the cornerstone. There is no salvation, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Peter's in the face of great opposition, you, you should have talked about this in Sunday school today. Peter was standing in great opposition. People were interrogating him about sharing the faith, about spreading Jesus. And what does he do? He tells them about Jesus. He's like, you got questions? Here, Jesus. What if our lives look like that every day? Every single day of the week, every single action we took was for the glory of God was for the glorification of Christ. Was to show someone who doesn't have Jesus, Jesus. The youth Sunday school uh, and the college career, New, New Beginnings City also um, talked about uh, standing in the faith, in the face of opposition uh, by standing in the word. Okay? We're, we live in a world that's, that opposes us. We live in a world that opposes the gospel. Everything about the gospel is innately offensive to who we are as sinners. But through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and being in the Word, we can stand in the face of that opposition. But do we? Are we willing to? I was convicted very much of this, especially over the last several weeks um, as we discuss things in, in this evangelism and church planning class. Um, what are we doing? What am I doing? What is Ryan, the youth pastor at Eastside, doing to reach lost people? I think my kids know that they love them. Dalton, would you say that you know I love you? Okay. Shikari, would you say that you know I love you? Yeah? Okay. Alyssa and Derek, would y'all say that you know that I love you? Okay, I think that I think that my kids know that I care about them. But what am I doing to one care about them enough to show them how to evangelize, how to teach people about Jesus, and two, what am I doing to do that myself to model that? Turn that inward. What are what are you doing? I was greatly convicted when um, Robbie, the missionary that came and spoke um, back a couple months ago. 
We went out to eat with him at El Sombrero in, in the Statesboro, and he straight up starts sharing the gospel with his waitress. And I was like, wow. This guy doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just come in on Sundays. Uh, that's his life every day where he lives. But why should it not be our lives every day where we live? We're comfortable. We're very comfortable. So how do we light up the fire? We live in the Word and stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being obedient to what we're called to do. We see the command of Christ. Notice I really like using Christ's words. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where specifically in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How many of you would say that Evans County is a fairly small county? Show of hands. Fairly small county. How many would say Evans County is a fairly diverse county? I would say it's pretty diverse. Maybe reaching people in Evans County doesn't mean reaching people who look like you. Maybe it means reaching people who don't think like you. Trust me, it's, it's very easy uh, for me to sit on Facebook and look at um, political posts or Clemson fan posts after the slaughter that they put on South Carolina last night. It's very easy for me to look at those posts and be like, oh, I don't like that person. I'm not, I'm not talking to them. Sometimes that is the wise thing for me to do. But should our mindset not be, Lord, show them. Lord, speak through me to show them. Lord, humble me to show them. Lord, let, let your spirit live so fully in me that I cannot sit here idly without showing them Christ. Without showing them exactly who you command me to be and exactly what you command me to do. To go and make disciples. Peter. No, these people can do pretty much whatever they wanted to do to him. Stood there and said, you know what? You got questions about Jesus? I got you. Let's go. Let's talk. Let me show you Jesus. Must statement number two. So we, we must be sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. We must be prepared. We must be prepared. We see in verse, let's write that first one. Uh, we, we see in verse uh, 14. Nope, 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized they had been with Jesus. They realized they were uneducated and untrained. Uneducated and untrained does not mean unable. It does not mean that we have an excuse to sit down. Peter and John did not go to seminary. Peter and John did not go to Bible college. What did Peter and John do? They walked with Jesus. We have the means to do so. Maybe not physically. Like maybe if Jesus is walking like legitimately physically next to you, please call me next time that happens. I want to see that. I want to be there. There's a lot. That's all. We have his word. 
we have the living word that is active. And like we talked about a moment ago, we have the Holy Spirit who Christ promised us a counselor, spirit of truth that we can have if we have a relationship with him. Peter and John were not these great beforehand. They were not these great scholarly theologians. I've officially taken more seminary hours than Peter or John. Thank you for laughing, Tiffany. <laughs> Yet we all, and I say all, and I feel like I can confidently say all, myself included, use it as an excuse to not go to We say, oh, whoa, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to look. I don't know what to show somebody. Couple, couple things here. One, uh, what somebody tell you if you were saved? We see all these patterns of evangelism and discipleship and all these different methods and everything else. But one crucial point of it being that it is reproducible, because we are more likely to reproduce what we've seen directly with us. So you see all these football coaches come out of the, come out of the Nick Saban coaching tree or the whoever else coaching tree or whatever. Chances are they their offense is going to look very similar to what that offense looked like that they ran, right? I'm trying to think of something else that's not sports related to help everybody else out. Um, okay, you see, if you write an English paper, okay, like I'm a big fan of semicolons. Wonder why? I know how to use them. <coughs> I'm not very good at grammar in general, but I can use a semicolon correctly. And so if you read one of my papers, I use a lot of semicolons. I was taught that. I reproduced that. Is it reproducible? We've got methods in the youth room. You're all welcome in the youth room. It's great. You can be youthful for a little while. Um, there are big poster boards taped up on the, on the board over here. Um, of different little easy methods to share the gospel. To lay it out for people. My wife uses a method called gospel. I can't remember all the points of it. Um, I use cross because it's got less letters. Um, but basically, it breaks down to creation. Okay, God created everything. He created everything in His perfect image. But then our, we rebelled against Him. We sinned. <laughs> And because of that sin, we get to owe, we're on our own, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we in our flesh can do about that. But because of that, there's this, there's salvation. God sent a Savior to us to pay the price for our sins. He came and bled and died to, to serve as our sacrifice, <coughs> defeating sin and death for us because we couldn't. And then the final S being sanctification. We are made like Christ by being in His Word, by being sensitive to His Spirit. We must not use being uneducated and untrained as a definition for unable. We must be prepared. We must be willing to step outside of ourselves. Might it be uncomfortable? Might it be difficult? Might you lose a friendship over it? Yeah. 
But I'll tell you right now, personally for me, and I hope that for every born-again believer in the room today, losing that friendship on earth because you tried to share the gospel with them is worth so much more than losing that friendship in eternity because you didn't share the gospel with them. What are we doing? What are we doing? You can ask some of the hospital guys, especially every day since a few weeks ago when I walk in to pick up the CLC class. I say, who have you shared the gospel with today? Walter's response was one of my favorite. I just got his attention to you. He looked up and said, uh, nobody yet. It's funny, but at the same time, yet. Let's get beyond yet. I didn't talk to Walter again that day. I wish I would have. Um, I'm sure he would have told me that he tried with somebody. But let's get beyond yet. Let's get beyond the, oh, well, I'm waiting for the right time. Well, it just didn't come up. Boy, I'm glad it came up with me. We see so often the word convenient. Some things just aren't ever going to be convenient. Talking politics at a Willis family get together is not ever convenient. <laughs> but somehow we always end up making time for it. Step out. I promise, I promise. That if you know a lost person, you're called to tell me about Jesus. Point blank. We must be prepared. And finally, just like we said, the one qualification that, uh, that Peter and John have is that they have been with Jesus. It must be obvious that if we claim the name Jesus, that we have been with Jesus. How we respond to opposition must be obvious that we have been with Jesus. How we live our lives daily, how we treat our waitresses must be obvious that we have been with Jesus. How we read scripture with our kids, it must be obvious that we have been with Jesus. How we respect our teachers, how we respect our authority figures, it must be obvious that we have been with Jesus. This even stood out to the Sanhedrin, to the people that were questioning Peter when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. People see it. We talk all the time about how you know, people should be able to look at you and tell the difference. Tell that you have something that they want. Cool. That's not me. 
Um, <coughs> in one of these two classes, I've read so much about each thing, I don't remember which class it was, but they made a point to talk about how God's design draws people to himself. So if it's obvious that we have been with Jesus, if we're living our lives filled with the Holy Spirit, letting that flow out of us, showing people the love of Christ, then do you not think that it will draw people to Jesus? I'm very guilty of this. Sometimes it's more obvious to people who my favorite sports team is than it is to whom I belong. Sometimes it's more obvious how that I like music or what kind of music I like than it is obvious to whom I belong. We must make it obvious who we belong to. Nothing in this world is more important than the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. He loved us so much that he came off his throne in glory to sacrifice himself. He endured pain and suffocation for us so that we can have life with him. Nothing should be more important than our lives and showing people that love that he can have for us. Nothing should be more important than teaching the gospel to others. We should be identified by whom we belong. I'm going to bring John 14, 15 back, back up for just a second. And that verse simply says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. What a powerful word from Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Ask her and use all the time. How do you show your parents you love them? Oh, well, I listen to them. I do what they tell me to. Jesus laid that out for us pretty plainly. If we love Him, which if we surrender our lives to Him, that we claim that we love Him, we should be keeping His commands. Preach the word 
Christ. How different would our world look today if we did that? How different would our world look today if we would go and be those people that are making sure somebody gets to hear about Jesus. Just watch the video. I don't know if you caught the number that it said at the very beginning. 2.8 billion. You might know the total population of the earth. It's right about 7 billion people in the world. And 2.8 billion. Okay. We're talking about more than a third not having access to the gospel. And I'm going to throw this out there too. Um, th this can mean anything from people groups living in a certain area um, that no one's trying to reach in that certain area. So this can just as easily be um, a, a, a people group from the Middle East that have migrated to Atlanta, Georgia. And never, and no, nobody's there ministering to this people. Okay, this can be in our own backyard. This doesn't mean just people across the world. What are we doing to reach those people? I'm all about I'm wanting to see the church grow. I want to see the church flourish. I want to see the church be the church that Christ commands that we be. I don't, I don't care if um, every seat in this building is full and I don't ever get a penny's raise if it means that people are coming to know Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, that's what matters. At the end of the day, everything else is going to fade from this world. At the end of the day, everything ceases when the final trumpet blows. Christ comes calling. And we have to answer for whether or not we reach outside the walls to reach a lost and dying world. To reach people who need Jesus. Maybe someone in here today is going to be the next lot of you. Maybe someone in here today is going to be the next great missionary, the next David Platt, the next whoever. Okay? It starts by being willing to reach out. Being willing to sacrifice. Whether it's financially, whether it's comfort, whether it's uh, pride. It starts by being willing to be the feet of Jesus and walking out those doors and not letting the message stay here. There are people that were never going to get to walk through those doors without bringing the message to them first. And I think we all know that. So what are we doing? We must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We must be willing to go serve Christ. We must be prepared and not letting being uneducated or untrained define us as unable. We must be prepared. We must show that we have been with Jesus.
they come to the instruments and be close today. I challenge you. Where are you doing? I got a text last night. I'm not going to say who it was from. Uh, just encouraging me. Uh, let me know this person was praying for me. And they said, we're a hungry people. Our church. And so church, I'm going to ask this question. And I'm going to mean it with all the love in my heart. Uh, are we hungry to sit and talk? Or are we hungry to change lives for Jesus Christ? And I don't mean that in a way of saying that we've only sat and talked. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but what are we hungry for? Are we hungry? Let's be hungry to go and change this world. I got a text in the middle of preaching one time from somebody who said, Call everybody down to the altar because that's what we need. We want to see a revival in our nation. What we really want to see is a great awakening in our nation. We want to see lost people coming to know Jesus, but that starts with revival in the church. That starts with us as a church body and as the church universal standing up and saying, you know what, we're going to stand for Christ. We're going to sell out to the gospel. We're going to leave it all out there so that when that horn blows, We'll know that we did everything that we were supposed to do for the glorifying of Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need to take that first step. Maybe the step that you need to take is you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I pray that you take that step today. Maybe your maybe your step is saying, you know what? I've been I've been holding on to my pride, I've been holding on to not wanting to look different. But you know what? I'm I'm letting that go today. I'm going to serve Christ fully. I told the youth to look weird for Jesus. But, and this is just a ballpark estimate, last several Sundays we ran right around 170 or so for worship time. If 170 people in a town that we've already agreed is fairly small, look weird for Christ to really look weird, uh, we look like a church. Be willing to take that step today. Whatever that step is for you. Maybe, maybe that step is saying, you know what, I need to serve in this area of the church. Maybe your step is, maybe you don't know where you need to serve, but you want to serve. You know that that's what you need to do. The altar's open. Take the step that you need to take today. But I challenge you. And when we walk out of those doors and come back in tonight, that we're not the same people that we were when we sat down this morning, that we are on fire for the Lord, that we were willing to live boldly, making a difference for Him in our community.